Thank you, Vince, and thank you, everybody. Um, so today, we're wanting to continue our conversation of the realities that what resurrection often feels like in our life is not a return to what was, but a birth to something new. Um, I think after this last year, we often think about the future and think about what's coming next. And it can be tempting to think about how our life were, was, what things were like uh, a year ago before this pandemic, and to think about returning to that, where the truth is it will be a different, it will be a new thing. Um, and as we think about the story of the resurrection, we think about Jesus dying and raising again, I think we get a picture that is helpful for us. Uh, we've been diving into and looking at each week the story of Jesus uh, appearing to the disciples on the road to Emmaus and that he was disguised for them. They didn't recognize him when he first appeared. Something about the transformation that he went through, something about that moment where, where their expectations were, where their familiarity was, they did not see what was, but had instead saw something new. Um, and for this week, I want to look specifically in a conversation that uh, today, looking at about our hopes and our dreams, the ways that those evolve and change over time. Uh, in this story of the resurrection, it is always uh, interesting for me to reflect on how the disciples must have felt. There was a sense of failure, that their dream and their hope that Jesus was going to be the Messiah and the Christ and bring them into uh, victory, bring them into a sense of him fulfilling all of the promises of the Messiah had failed with his death. But he, in appearing to them, reveals to them and says to them, how necessary was it that the Christ should suffer these things in order to enter his glory? That in fact, the dreams and hopes of the people had been fulfilled, but in a way that they did not perceive, in a way that was different, in a way that they did not expect. And I think for us today, as we think about what this next year might look like, what our future might look like, I think it's helpful for us to acknowledge maybe the ways that the dreams and hopes that we've had in the past, the things that we have banked uh, our future on, might be different from what we expected. And the truth is, I think that that's not only a reality, but it's healthy. It's healthy for our dreams to evolve and grow. And in many times, it's healthy for us to lay down the circumstances around our dreams from the past. And so today, we're going to have a bit of a conversation. We want to talk a little bit about how we can uh, step into this next year with dreams and hopes that meet this moment. Uh, I will uh, be having a conversation here uh, momentarily with Haley, and I would love to invite her in. Um, and so Haley, if you're not familiar, is our pastoral intern, um, also somebody who leads us in wonderful prayers as she does today, and generally somebody that I think uh, is able to help us find wisdom in our faith and in our life in ways that really connect with us well, somebody that I, I'm deeply appreciative of. So I'd like to invite Haley in here to join me in a conversation where we can talk about our dreams and hopes of this moment born out of this last year. Hello, Haley. 
Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Well, to kick us off, we've had a little conversation ahead of time, and I want to bring us to that first point, something that I've already given reference to, which is that we uh, need to not be held captive by our old dreams. That there's something about dreams that find life in the past that are great and meaningful and wonderful. But as life and circumstances change, there can often be almost a burden to our old dreams. There can often be a sense of, I want to own a house today. I want to be a teacher. I want to be this profession. I want to be in this kind of relationship. These dreams and hopes we have for ourselves that as time and circumstances evolve can actually feel like they're holding us captive, that the dreams of old are actually stealing life from us. Haley, I'm curious for you when you think about this idea of no longer being held captive, not necessarily letting go of, but not being held captive by our old dreams. What comes to mind for you? Yeah, I think that word that you used, um, burden, is one that resonates with me, that there can be this sense of like, um, wow, I really should be doing X, Y, and Z. Like, this is what I set out to do, and I'm not there yet. Um, I think anytime that we attach a time frame to a dream, it's not helpful um, to say like, I'm going to do this by the time I'm 30 or 40 or whatever it may be. Um, not that I don't think we're capable of achieving goals and dreams, but I just think we're kind of setting ourselves up for disappointment when we put it on a time frame, um, stick it on a timeline. Um, and there's, there's two other things that I think really hold us captive um, in the sense of letting go of past dreams um, or letting those take on a new form. The first would be shame. Um, even saying that word, I feel like I have a really embodied response to it. Like shame feels pretty heavy to me. Um, and it's easy for that to creep in when there's some sense of failure involved of like, I have not done what I thought I would do by now. Um, but shame is not an effective starting place for motivation or for dreams to form. That if we're trying to form goals and dreams out of a shameful place, um, it's probably not leading us into this flourishing life that God has intended. Um, and this other limitation, I think, is any time that we use the word should. Um, and Kyle, you've touched on this, but we can compare ourselves to other people, and that can be really unhealthy, but we can also compare ourselves to ourselves, um, either to our past self or to our expectation of who we thought we wanted to be or where we thought we wanted to be. Um, that shame and shoulds, I think, can really creep in as limitations in trying to move in a spirit of letting go of past dreams. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, as I think about the disciples sitting there and there's a sense of like their dreams of what Jesus would have been actually needed to be. They were being held captive by what they thought they should be. And instead they needed a dream for that moment with which is actually true of who Jesus was in the resurrection in that place. Um, and I think for us, 
there is a sense of like, I, I don't know if this is a uniquely American thing or it's just a human thing, but the idea of saying at some point in my life, this is what I wanted to be true of myself. And then to later in life say, well, that's no longer, I, I no longer want that to be true of myself. or I'm no longer holding that as my aspiration. That can feel almost like a, a failure. It can feel like we've, um, we haven't been successful. Um, but I think that what's helpful for me is like a, a reframing of that, which is like, we need dreams for our whole life. Like if we're in moments where we don't have dreams for ourselves, there's like a, a real restriction to that. And actually letting go of a previous dream doesn't mean that that dream has failed us. The truth was that there was a time for me where I wanted to be a police officer at one point in my life. And, and, and the truth was that didn't happen. That's not here. But that doesn't mean that that dream, letting go of that dream and evolved in my life has been lost. It's that there was a moment in my life, particularly in the middle of the recession, 2009, where I had no picture of a career for my future. I didn't even know, I couldn't find anything but very part-time work. And the idea of becoming a police officer and doing something that had a career, like this is a career, felt like a very like important big thing for me. It motivated me to go out and try to do things. It, it created inspiration within me. And so I look back on that and so do I say that that was a stupid or, or failed or unsuccessful dream uh, in 2009 when I wanted to be a police officer? No, in that moment, that dream did important things for me. And the truth is today, if I'm still holding on to that old dream, it is gonna feel weighty and burdensome that is not true of my life right now, nor do I want it to be true of my life. But the truth is I need to have dreams right now that meet this moment. And this is a really unique moment after this last year we've had. Uh, I'm wondering if any other thoughts hit you as we think about uh, this idea of uh, evolving or letting go of old dreams and trying to find new dreams for this moment. Yeah, I think that um, being present requires that we change our mind. Um, and we've talked about this in other settings of normalizing, changing our minds, that when we come across new information or when we encounter new perspectives on the world and on people and on God, um, it's okay and it's necessary to change our minds and say, maybe what I had before was incomplete or maybe what I had before was serving me then and it's not fitting now. Um, and sometimes it's even saying, maybe I was wrong. Like maybe I was just flat out wrong before. Um, and we can do this with our our um, interactions with the world, but I think we also have times where to stay present, we need to change our minds about ourselves, um, about our dreams and about our goals and to not do this in a way that's harsh, but to be filled with a sense of self-compassion um, that I now have a clearer picture. I have more information. I have a new perspective. Um, I can see myself in a different way and I don't have to hold myself to that old image. I can be evolving and moving and changing um, in a way that really does require us to be present and to be attentive and curious about our current settings and our current moments. I like that a lot, Ailey. Um, I think what I'd love to invite everyone to do right now is 
I think it's helpful for us to imagine things when we, we begin to hear how other people have attached themselves to it. So feel free to use the chat here. If you want to put in, this is a dream I used to have for myself, but I don't, I'm letting, it's not something I'm, I have anymore. Like I've let go of this dream for myself, like being a police officer or being a homeowner by the time I'm 30, things like that. Um, and then also I'm curious to hear as we pivot a little bit more now to thinking about this moment right here, what are some dreams that you have found implanted in yourself this last year? I think mean, that's what we wanna dive into in this moment is that sitting here just after a year of CPS and schools shutting down, the world going into quarantine, we are not just in any given moment in history. We've gone through a year of challenge and struggle. That is, it's almost a universal experience for everybody in this church that there has been struggle in this last year. But one thing that I think is true is that the dreams that we have developed in moments of struggle have a unique richness to them. There's a sense of when life feels hard, when the world feels stripped away from us in those moments there where we dream for what we really want for our life. It's almost also, I think, a sense of looking to God in moments of weakness. I think there is some deepness that is revealed in our dreams for the future. And so I think that there is an opportunity in this moment right here to find new dreams that are kind of born out of challenge. And I think even in the sense of born out of challenge, I've often found that dreams that are born in struggle tend to be bigger than just ourselves. Like for me, Dreams I have in times of plenty are very self-focused. I want to be able to have a house. I want to be able to have a career. They're very much about me. What I have found is that in times of struggle, my dreams often become about the world. It's just not about my own struggle. It's about wanting to create a world that is addressing the struggle of others. I think we've seen this in acute ways last year around the growing awareness of systemic racism. I think we've seen this in acute ways last year about the growing awareness of income inequality. And I think for me, there's almost a sense of in struggle, we begin to see a vision for ourselves that extends beyond us, that there is a depth when dreams are born in times of challenge. I'm curious for you, Haley, when you think about this last year in particular, just in general, those moments of life full of challenge, how having dreams that come out of those moments, dreams for our future, uh, what you think of when, when that comes to your mind? Yeah, as you're um, as you're talking, I am thinking about too this potential for communal dreams. Um, there's something I think about when things are um, going really well in life, when there's not a whole lot of struggle involved, that it, our dreams can center on ourselves. Um, but when we enter into times of just really hard moments and struggles, and I think the past year has been pretty unique in um, the sense of just collective grieving and collective struggle, that um, I'm wondering what collective dreaming and hoping can come out of this time. Um, that there's just a really rich potential here to not look completely inwards, um, but to be always looking outward into um, how can I be engaging the justice that God has intended for the world? How can I be, um, actively participating in the kingdom of God, like what does that look like? And that can be an individual journey of letting struggles um, shape our goals, but I think it can be collective too, that there's kind of this uh, sense of communally 
how are we dreaming and what are we hoping for? Like what in this present season um, is God intending for us and how do we actively move into that and participate? Yeah, no, I think that that, I, I think this last year, this is even this idea of like wearing masks, the things that we're doing, I think that we've been invited into a space to think more collectively than the average American brain in some at still struggle to think that way. But this idea that my life is not just about myself. Um, and I, I do think that there's a, a sense of like, when life feels really hard, you almost get a like a picture of what really matters. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know what, I don't really care very much about what car I'm driving right now. Like what I care about is being able to see my friends and family. What I care about is having a mental health where it doesn't feel like every day is a struggle. What I care about is being able to like create a world where I'm seeing people around me that are not experiencing deep inequity. Like there's like a real stripping away that struggle does. And it's almost like a place of why I think inequity repeats itself. It's almost like a vicious cycle because as people experience privilege, as people experience um, the benefits of a broken status quo, it almost becomes harder and harder to empathize. I was just reading a study about how wealth um, really does impact the ability for empathy, that there is a sense of the more money people had, the harder that they, the harder they had a time of empathizing with people. Um, and I think that that is true. And I think that's why it's important for our dreams to, to, fi- to realize that finding life in struggle is incredibly important for us and incredibly important for us to pause right now and think the dreams that I still attach myself to that perhaps were born in an earlier part of my life. I wonder if there's a more refined word, a more refined dream that was born out of this last year. Um, there's a, an old Puritan prayer. It's my favorite prayer. It's called the Valley of Vision. It's essentially different ways of talking about how in the valley, we actually see the depths of the height, like in the deepest well, you can see the stars. And I think that there's a real sense of a, a blinder to the immediacy of, of things around us in struggle that almost create a grander view of you're seeing, you almost have to see a larger picture of life because in struggle, the promise that tomorrow is gonna to be much better may just not be very real. Like you may not be able to get a picture of how tomorrow is going to be better for me. So it creates a, a urgency to say, I need to know how a year is gonna be better for me. And I think that there's something in those dreams that really bring life. Uh, I'm curious for you, if anything else strikes you, Haley. Yeah. Um... I think it's this movement from dreams and goals and hopes that center on productivity um, or that center on success and succeeding versus dreams and hopes and goals that um, center on being well, whether it's our own wellness or the wellness of others. Um, When we see Jesus encountering people throughout scripture, we see that um, his concern isn't for their success or productivity. Um, there's not this like monetary gain that's in any way motivation. The, the goal and the hope is for people to be fully well. And what does that wellness look like? And so when we're encountering um, seasons where our dreams are changing and shifting and need to be doing so, um, I think that some direction that we can go in is saying, how, how can I be more well in this season? Um, and it may look like holding these grand dreams um, as a motivation and as a hope that we can be leaning into 
and I think that there's a, ne a necessity for just everyday practical, tangible things that we can meet that if every dream feels um, giant, and I think that there is a place for these like big hopes, um, but if every dream is like that, it might start to feel a little impossible and that sense of failure can creep back in again. But if we have these almost like bite-sized dreams, um, just to be able to meet those and to feel the, the goodness of being in seasons of like, wow, this is what I've been dreaming for. Like, this is what I've hoped for. Um, that there are ways to move into that and still hold the greater vision um, as a sustaining way to make it through the day-to-day. -day. I love that. I think it's, you know, my, I have big dreams for my life, but I also have some small dreams, which like when the weather got nice, I had a small dream that I would be able to get outside more during the day. That's like a, it's not a crazy dream. It's a small dream, but I think it's important that I think we develop logs that kind of track how reasonable it is to hope I think we all have those things of like, we we hope, and I think we often give more attention to and have lots of logs that said, I had a hope here and it was destroyed, therefore it erodes my chance to hope. And I think that it's important for us to find little things, little dreams being fulfilled, um, prayers being fulfilled, uh, things of good in life and pay attention and celebrate those and not to say, oh, well, whatever, I just got outside today, but be like, oh my gosh, you remember like a month ago when going outside was a Herculean feat? This is wonderful. And that builds up, I think, our, our reserve of hope to keep dreaming uh, for the next step. So I, I really love that. Ed, I wonder if I can bring you in here. I wonder if there's anything that you're seeing in the chat, any thoughts here as you think about how people are evolving or just general kind of thoughts that might be coming out of stuff. Um, there's been a few comments in the chat. Um, people uh, talking about uh, dreams that they had when they were uh, uh, younger. Um, and uh, there's... Uh, one person mentions uh, wanting to be a theater actor, and uh, then um, you know starting to work a normal job and having to stray from that career. Um, Vince uh, <coughs> Vince mentioned um, a dream for our church, Brownline Church, to be able to keep a home within vineyard vineyard churches as a community. Um, that is fully inclusive of LGBTQ individuals. Um, and then he says that in, even though that hasn't ended up the case, I think that dream at the time of trying to foster a home was good and growing for me. Um, so that goes back to your point, Kyle, where, whereas even if you don't achieve the dream, at that time, the dream does a lot for you. Um, and, and I commented that, you know, I went to school to become a filmmaker and screenwriter, and obviously none of that panned out at all, but I can say that holding on to that goal when I was a kid motivated me to uh, to get through my childhood. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I would agree that there was a purpose for that as well. Thanks, Ed. Yeah, no, I, I, I really, obviously I resonate with Vince's story, but I resonate with uh, a lot of these uh, things. And I think there's a real sense of you know, I think the other part of this is even um, life can change a lot. I think last year has shown us this. 
And I know some people that had dreams at one point, let go of those dreams, and then life changed again. And then they all of a sudden found life in those dreams later. You know what I mean? I think because of our American focus on youth, I think we sometimes can ignore how much dream fulfillment can happen later in life. Um, but at the same time, I think that's why it's important that we're not giving up on dreams or driving into cynicism, but also recognizing when dreams aren't serving us and, and laying them down. Um, Haley, do you have something else you want to add here? Yeah, I think that um, along with that just comes the spirit of being open. Um, I think anytime that we get into this space of like, I know definitely completely what I'm going to do. Um, and we do this with faith too. Like I know exactly what the Bible means. I know exactly what church is supposed to be. I know who God is. Um, anytime that that becomes super concrete, I think it cuts off this potential for um, openness and for change and being willing to just let life ebb and flow in the way that it will. Um, and it will be a lot more freeing and a lot more hopeful if we're just ready to be along for the ride. Um, and that's not super comfortable, it's not predictable, but I think that it leads us into a more flourishing life. Um, and that spirit of openness, when we cultivate it within ourselves, we're able to hold that for others as well. I love them. You know, I, I was talking earlier this week about the nonprofit I work for was founded by uh, Kim Hammock, who's awesome. And she was like, she was a home with her kids until they went to school. And then once they all went to school, had a pivot of like, well, what am I going to do now? And then we started this nonprofit that I now work for. And it's, it's amazing. And I love it. But there's a real sense of like, meeting each moment and being open. And I, I don't think her heart particularly changed, which was a care for the kids around her. It's just what how that found life uh, shifted. And I think that brings us to our last point here, which is in many ways, my hope and prayer for this church, which is I want us to have a more generous understanding of what a dream fulfilled is. Um, and what I mean by this is I think uh, dreams, I believe, are brought to us from God. I think that they're the deepest parts of who we are that bring life to our hopes, our talents, our gifts with some kind of vision for our future. However, what I've also come to realize is that we are not always the perfect interpreters of what's going on with us. We're not always the best at predicting what is best for us. And sometimes I think what our dreams the function, the actual form of our dreams is actually revealing something deeper in us. And so for example, I wanted to be a police officer, which I mentioned, then I wanted to be a community engagement officer, which is different than a police officer. They more do preemptive stuff. Then I wanted to be a lawyer. Um, and then I wanted to do, uh, I wanted to be a teacher. And then I wanted to be a professor. I can look back and say, I think I would have been unhappy in most of those jobs personally. But what was underneath all of those things was this deep desire to impact the world around me, to become a safer, more loving, uh, advocating for a more just place, 
I wanted to be a police officer because I wanted to be the kind of police officer that could de-escalate situations rather than escalate them. I wanted to be a teacher because I wanted to be the kind of person that inspired kids for more in their life. I wanted to be a lawyer because I wanted to be able to go and try to advocate for people in a broken uh, law system. I wanted to do all of these things. And I think, honestly, you could look at each one of those dreams as unfulfilled. I have done none of those things. But I think on a deeper level, I would say they very were they were fulfilled. I was fumbling around to discover the thing I think God had put in me, which wasn't like a vocation. It wasn't like a calling of like, this is the job I want. It was that deep longing to be somebody that was contributing to justice in this world. And so I can sit back here and think about the work that we've done with this church, particularly in this last year. I can think about my work in my other job working for Books and Breakfast and say, hey, my dream of being a police officer has been fulfilled in a way that I think is far more profound than it would have been if I would have gotten accepted in 2009. And I would love for all of us to be able to almost look at our dreams, almost like we see a child that's trying to imagine what they want for themselves. They're, they're understanding what they like and what they love and are thinking about where that can find life in the world. I think back also lastly, before I pass to Haley, I'm a friend back in the day who's talked a lot about how they wanted to own a house. They're like That was their dream. And they came to this realization that the truth is they didn't just wanna, it wasn't actually about owning a house, that they had moved a, like a ton of times in their life. And what they wanted was a place that felt like home which is different. It isn't actually, you can find, they could have found a place that felt like home while renting. They could have found a place that felt like home in lots of different scenarios, but it didn't have to be a house. That that form is not always tied to what's deeply revealed. Uh, I'm curious what your thoughts are on that, Haley. Yeah, um, I, I love the question that we started off with, Ed, of what we're passionate about and this connection that it's not just a passion, but it's actually like, what we're made for, um, or the dream that we have had instilled in us by God, the way that those things interact. Um, and I, earlier this week was thinking about this imagery of refining fire, which I think that Christian, uh, songs and prayers and things have tried to make a really pretty image. Um, but fire is super painful. And when we think about this process of refining, um, in this metaphor of a refiner's fire, metal is heated up and all of the gross stuff, all the impurities, all of that rise up to the top and that's removed. And you're left with what the core of the metal is. Um, and I think that that's what happens a lot of times when we're in periods of struggle is that all of the excess, all of the unnecessary things, maybe some of the distractions rise up to the surface. And we realize that that is just not important. And we're left with this essential truth and desire and hope. Um, this kind of core, it may be one of the, what some of those past forms of our dreams may be, that this, this truth remains. Um, for me, I think of, so when I was growing up, I really, I initially wanted to be like a pop star. That was my dream as a child. Um, and then that moved into, I want to be an actress and I want to sing and I want to have a career in that. Um, and it does, it's, it doesn't feel like a, a place of failure for me anymore. It just kind of feels like, oh yeah, that was really different than what I'm doing now. But when I think about the core of that, I think of creativity 
And that has always been central to the way that I have interacted with the world, to what I feel called to do um, creatively speaking and writing, but also just creatively engaging the world um, around me. How does, what does pursuing justice look like creatively? And I think that that, that core and that truth is able to take on different forms and functions in different seasons. Um, and those things have served a purpose. But when I look at the deeper longing, um, it's knowing that I'm made in an image of God, um, a God who is a creator. And so what does that look like for me to embody that in all that I'm doing, um, in the ways that I'm with people, and in the things that I'm discovering about myself? Um, and that is often, I think, most revealed in struggle, in this fire that is not pretty in any way, that there's a lot of, a lot of struggle and pain in it, um, but it rises up to the surface what is no longer necessary, what is uh, not essential, and leaves us with this deep longing and truth that we can carry even when the form and the function of our dreams looks different. Yeah, no, I think that's incredibly helpful. I think that refining process that uh, I wonder how it might serve us to think about the things we do in refinement of ourselves in growth of health as progress towards our dreams. So like counseling, uh, doing things for our mental health, just things that are about becoming healthier people. You know, I think about Jesus saying to this, did you not know it was necessary for the Christ to struggle to be able to enter his glory? And I think it's important as we think about Easter, we're not calling, uh, it's not like we're calling these moments of struggle this last year, like God really wanted me to go through pain and hurt. No, life puts us through pain and hurt. And the promise of resurrection is that God can use that so that it doesn't just become hurt and loss, which begets cynicism and hopelessness, but rather it can become refinement and helping us become people we want to be. Um, and I think for some of us, we do feel a lack of progress towards dreams because we don't see the correlation between um, becoming healthier or working through. Sometimes there is there the death and resurrection started with descent. It wasn't an upward track. It started with descent. And for some of us, it is a process of working through a moment of descent, often not through choices of our own. Like, it's, you know, we didn't make a choice to get laid off. We didn't make a choice to get put in quarantine and put our mental health in jeopardy. We did not have a choice in those things. Those are things that happened to us. But the truth is, that's why we need to be uh, responsive to this moment and recognize that each of us in this moment have ways that we're stepping towards big dreams. And I think that's why we need God. We need the Holy Spirit to be with us right now to help give us a picture of what is a dream for my future, give us discernment over what are the things that we wanna hold on to about our old dreams and what are the things we want to grab and let, uh, let go of from the past. And so um, in a moment, I wanna pray with us here. I wanna pray that God can do a refinement of our dreams as we hit the one year anniversary of this year of Lent, as I like to think of this. This whole year is almost like a Lenten experience, hopefully looking towards a resurrection of returning to life, but a resurrection that will not look like the life of old, but it will look like new life. But before I do that, Haley, I wonder if you have any last words uh, to leave us with. Yeah, I think that this goes um, just hand in hand with what we were talking about with Vince last week of old beliefs needing to die so that new beliefs can have um, 
life, that there's breath breathed into them. Um, and just thinking about the new beliefs that I have embraced as I've gotten to know Jesus more, beliefs that are more justice-centered, more compassionate, that create a fuller and richer picture of who God is and how God acts in the world. Um, and I think that our hopes and our dreams, at least for me, have gone through a very similar refining process, that um, there is a sense of just needing to let things let things go, but maybe just let them be, be what they were in the past and not need them to have any type of hold on the future, um, especially when they were dreams or goals that brought me into a, a space of unhealth, that embracing new hopes and new dreams often means embracing um, a healthier version of myself and a clearer picture of who God is and what God is actually intending for my life. That this process of dying and resurrecting and having something new, um, it can be an external journey of figuring things out in the world, but I think it's often a grace-filled journey within ourselves too. Um, that we did not let anyone down or let ourselves down in not fulfilling things that we would have hoped we fulfilled by now. Um, that letting dreams just be what they were and what they are does not need to have some sense of like captivity on our life, but that as we are moving into a fuller picture of ourselves and of God, um, that there is space just for this embrace of freedom and embrace of a new hope and a new dream that will carry us through. Um, and that often I think leads us into deeper participation in God's work in the world. Thank you, Haley. Um, I'm just going to pray for us now, if you'd like to get yourself, if you want, in a kind of a prayerful space. Well, Jesus, we just acknowledge this last year as uh, one of struggle. And I ask right now that you would release the power that old dreams have over us that are not serving us. Release the way that they maybe hold us captive, particularly in this moment where things are so different than they were a year ago. May they uh, perhaps reveal something deeper in those dreams, a longing, a part of who we are. Ask for healing in the way that this last year has been challenge and struggle and may have felt like loss from old dreams. But I ask right now that you would give us dreams for this moment right now, that we would be filled with hope for our future, that you would give us big valley filled dreams where we can look up and see a grand version of what we get to be part of in the future. Not be afraid to dream big, but really see those big things that we want to be a part of and that you would give us smaller dreams that can fill our log of hope in the meantime. A dream for this next week, a dream for today, a dream for tomorrow, as simple as completing our laundry, as simple as reaching out and finding a counselor, as simple as choosing to rest instead of keep going. And I pray that you, Lord, would be with us, 
a tapping into the bigness the uh of being with the god of the universe would help us break out of the ways that we feel trapped break out of the ways that we feel stuck and that you would help us celebrate each of those dreams as they find life amen